Matt raised a big day on the internet yesterday, and I'm sure your life was impacted. Uh, my <laughs> question to you is, did you realize Facebook was down? I did not. I, uh, I was on site with a customer and uh-huh. uh, you know, working through some stuff, and I look at my phone, and Brandon Wichard has notified me <laughs> that uh, via Twitter uh, that <laughs> Facebook was down, and I was like, this means nothing to me. <laughs> I think it was less a notification. It was more like, Facebook's down and Matt Ray has no idea. Like, and, and also uh, Instagram was down, I think. And uh, and I think Messenger was down. So so you didn't have to like replan your day. You weren't like, oh, no, where, where no. am I going to post my cat pictures? What am I going to do? You know, I, 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 I've been I've been posting my cat pictures nowhere because I don't <laughs> like cats. What about your your uh, your role as dad IT? Did you get some calls, some texts from the, the family like, dad, Facebook's not working. Instagram's not working. Did you have to take any uh, corrective action? No, uh, but, but, but see, this is, this is how it, it's so insidious, right? Like, uh, my wife has been pushing everyone to switch over to WhatsApp. Okay. Like, we, we've got the, uh, the whole, you know, some people are on iPhones and use an iMessage and like, you know, they're texting, you know, would they think they're sending texts, but they're sending iMessages. Yep. And, and then, you know, they get to us Android heathens and in Australia, and it's like I'm not texting you back because that's an international SMS, <laughs> right? You know, but, but my wife, it's okay because she's on an iPhone, and it goes, I, it goes, yo, I message to I message to SMS, and they don't know that yo, it's gone international. For me, I'm like, I'm not responding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth three dollars for me to send you a smiley face. <laughs> so, so did you? Everyone made the switch to WhatsApp in the Ray family. Uh, nah, well. So my kids are not like my kids aren't on uh, on that social media. Uh, they they all have Google accounts now, which I know slippery slope, you know, it's the, the lesser of two evils, maybe. Right. Um, and so we do have a family G talk oh. chat room thing, you know, where I'm like, hey, guys, I'm in Wellington. And they're like, uh, you left. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so they love me. I know they do. It's just their own way of showing it. So you are. So WhatsApp, I mean, you're part of the Facebook family. Like you pretend like you're not, but you're now. They've touched. Yes. They've found a way to get you into the uh, the umbrella that is Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I haven't closed out my Facebook account, and I still get emails, and I'm like, you know, if I open that email – I might click on the link to see what image my cousin posted, right? And so occasionally I do do that, but uh, I don't know. I just, I every time I go in there, I'm like, I notice, I notice that it's, it feels like a lot of people have left. You know, <laughs> I mean, there are probably a lot of people like me who haven't deleted their accounts, but they still have them open. Maybe they've all gone to Instagram, and you know, it's like, I don't know. It's harder to, harder to have your your information. Uh, used against you to help you vote for the wrong people, I guess, but, uh, on Instagram, but yeah, same difference. Same, same old, same old. Yeah. So I, I, but you know, but I do have that Facebook account there. I'm not deleting it cause you know, my, but I'm not posting to it. I am using WhatsApp cause you know what? WhatsApp was like the lingua franca of, of SMS for, for a lot of Southeast Asia. Um, you know, everybody just WhatsApps. You know, because it goes cross border. I don't have to worry about telcos. So when I go to India or you know Singapore, it's like it's all about WhatsApp. Yeah, that is so. an interesting, like weird, um, I guess messaging artifact that like very much. It's very regional, right? Because I think in the U.S., at least the cohort I'm in, it's everybody's pretty much on iMessage, right? I mean, every, I mean, I know there are some Android people, but it seems like the vast majority or on iMessage. And then it sounds like, you know, you're part of the world, WhatsApp, right? And then there's, uh, uh, there's Line in Japan. Yeah, Line, I was going to say Line yeah. in Japan. And then um, what's the one in China? The, uh, like, uh, the big... Oh, uh, uh, WeChat. Uh, yeah, WeChat, right? So it's, yeah. it's, it's like, depending on the part of the world you're in really dictates, you know, the preferred messaging. So I don't know, that's a weird... I guess some of it has to do with price point, right? I mean, Apple's price point was probably just way too expensive um 
at least for a long time. And then it seems like Mike, uh, Google dismissed the boat. Like Google seems like they would have been the WhatsApp, right? They seem like they could have filled that niche, right? Just provided the, and I know they've <laughs> built like 17 different messaging services. Yeah. So it's not for lack of trying, but somehow it, WhatsApp it, just like hit it. They figured it's, it out. It's because you, you won't respond. You, you know, nobody responds to my Allo messages, right? <laughs> or, or, or is it duo? I don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and I know they've they they're trying to push some SMS replacement standard through. Yeah. Uh, and you know, good luck with that, because uh, you know SMS is, uh, uh, well, it's it's outright larceny. Um, <laughs> you know, because literally, literally, it's you know, every time I land in a country, I get a, a an S, I, I get a text from from my uh, my telco uh, Telstra, and they're like, "Welcome to you know America." Uh, it'll be three dollars to send an SMS back to Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so I'm getting I'm getting phone calls and stuff just goes to voicemail. I was like, well, maybe when I get back next week, I'll check my voicemail. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a weird feeling, right? That when you cross a country, this arbitrary line, it's just like now everything is a million percent. Uh, whereas before, it was like you know, unlimited text messages anywhere, right? And then you're like, oh, okay, now now not so much. Twenty five cents, well, I don't care. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and then when I get to like singapore there have been times like driving around in the country where it's like welcome to indonesia i'm like i never left and it's like you will pay this much for sms now i'm like i never left (laughs) well i think a weird like historical thing here and this is i i don't know i don't know how many people can remember this you'll remember this but if we went back in time there was a time that blackberry was the dominant uh messaging platform of the world in fact people uh, were so in love with their BlackBerry because they had BlackBerry Messenger service, right? Which sort of oh, yeah. predates all of this. That's the idea that you could just send messages to anybody because those phones had keyboards, right? A lot of phones at that point didn't. Uh, and people would just talk about how they needed the BlackBerry just for that. And so, of course, BlackBerry famously, you know, I don't know, missed out on or just got, you know, uh, you know, I guess run over by the iPhone. But if we were to go back in time, we could tell the BlackBerry owners and say, okay, Here's what you need to do. Just uh, give up on making phones, 100%, right? <laughs> and uh, what we want you to do is just support the BlackBerry service uh, app right to Android into uh, the iPhone. And that's going to be worth like uh, at least $25 billion, right? Because that's yeah, what – and yep. they, and so can you imagine us pitching this in, in, in the boardroom? Be like all this hardware, yeah, yeah, well, all that, the hardware, all the sales, um, BlackBerry Enterprise Server – all of it, guys. Don't worry. It's all worthless. It's all worth nothing. Okay. Exactly. This, but just keep 10 guys, 10 guys running the BlackBerry Messenger service, and we're going to port it, and we're going to be worth $25 billion. Like, I can imagine. I can just imagine standing in front of that PowerPoint as they like berate you, like, and they're yelling at you in Canada and kicking you out of the country for even suggesting <laughs> such a thing. But if you look back in time, that was the most valuable asset probably in, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I'm I'm sure there's there's a lot of you know Clayton Christian Cassandras out there who are, you know, coming out and they're like, you need to do this. You know, the the future is coming. You know, it's like uh, we saw this week. You know, F5 bought Nginx, right? And yeah. like like Nginx, their their whole business model was going after F5, <laughs> right? And and so like I mean, they were very aggressive about like, hey, you know what you don't need load bouncers uh <laughs> and so if i was like all right all right all right we're buying that chasm right all right um, all right well let's 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 set the stage on nginx because i mean probably everybody knows right I, I i think of it mostly as like the reverse proxy but i guess it does a whole bunch more than that uh yeah so, t- yeah. so give us the quick like what does the open source nginx do do for everyone give us your two minute description what doesn't it do, right? Um, <laughs> no, I mean Nginx. Uh, they they got their they got open sourced back in uh, looks like 2004. Um, I remember, like, I was on site with a customer in probably 2012, and they were like, "Check this out, Nginx." I was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard about that." You know, it's a web server. They're like, "No, no, no, look at this." And it was like the the server site server stats or whatever that that page was that showed uh how, which web servers were serving up the most sites uh-huh. and nginx had passed apache and that was like you know holy crap and then the guy was like yeah i did that because we were at turner and they ran like nba.com <laughs> and <laughs> and like you know 1500 websites of you know really high traffic and uh you know but but to me nginx was always just oh it's a web server and then you know but but 
to me it's a web server to you it's you know a caching proxy or reverse proxy and then it also does like uh load balancing um so it's 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 quite an impressive piece of software and mm -hmm. uh it has been primarily open source for a long time um you know i'm sure they you know, we could get down into the uh uh, you know, defining their business model as, you know, loose open core or whatever, but like Nginx is, is some rock solid software that, uh, you know, it gets embedded in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so my, um, I did uh, extensive market research on like who uses Nginx before the show. And, uh, it's, uh, it's everyone. It's a hundred percent. I think I mean, it's, <laughs> that's going to be my informal research. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't, I feel like Every company, everyone doing anything with software is somehow using Nginx. So I was like, uh, so it was interesting to see when they got bought, right? I was like, and I had had the same reaction you did. I was like, F5. I was like, on one part of me thought, well, that, that seems like competitive. The other part of me thought, like, no, this seems like perfect. Like, because I do still think of uh, when someone says load balancers and you say name like a commercial company or a product, I will say F5. Like, that's definitely in the first couple thoughts. So, that to me made 100% sense, but I had no idea. I thought Nginx was just an open source like project and didn't even know. So the way, um, and I think this is you know an example. Like rarely, very rarely do we talk about this. I guess this is an example of a successful open core because I actually had to go online because I never know. They have Nginx Plus. Uh, which has, you know, just typical open, open core thing, right? They've got a set of, let's call them enterprise features that are available for uh, Nginx plus customers. And that seems to be the, like, I guess the bulk or a hundred percent of their revenue. So I think I personally, you know, we've always talked about how open core doesn't work or it's really, really difficult. I mean, these guys need to go right into the business case uh, hall of fame of executing it and uh, making it work. So I don't know. Have you have you used Nginx Plus? Do you, is that some customers? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nope. I mean, it's like it's such solid open source software that uh, you know we just use it, embed it, and you know you hit port you know port eighty or. 443 and you know it just happens to be nginx yeah it just works um, so i don't know but, we need the guys that be acquired podcasts to go like do all the history and like because i want them to, i want someone to figure out like what um just kind of like what the tipping point there was because because i i think there's an interesting thing around like when you uh if you take my uh <laughs> my cursory market chair it's like if you have something that's so pervasive like the most horizontal of horizontal like red hat or linux would have been this before right like everyone's using linux there's not there's really no one that's not so when you get to this level of penetration where everyone is using it then maybe that like that math that people hate it's like well listen if we just get five percent of the customers using it to upgrade and pay yeah. us something it actually becomes a pretty big number and that may oh, yeah. be what's at work here yeah i mean this is absolutely a mysql play right uh, you know you have this ubiquitous software that everybody uses some small percentage pay for um but you know it's the key word is ubiquitous right and if you can figure out a way to monetize, you know, 1% and turn that into 2%, you know, good on you. Um, and so, you know, obviously, uh, and, and Nginx hasn't, you know, as far as I could tell, like, they're unfazed by, you know, all the, you know, hey, let's build in load balancers into Kubernetes or, you know, this this latest uh, project does that too. It's like Nginx is, is just battle tested and, and really good software um, in my experience, you know, but I'm not, I'm not. You know, I got to back off a little bit. It's like, I'm sure there's better stuff for different use cases. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but, but just the fact that it's reached this level of uh, oh, yeah. penetration just says that, you know, I, I mean, no one's getting fired for using Nginx, right? No one's yeah, like, I you mean, know, this was a bad choice, guys. It's like, it's yeah, just, okay. It's, it's your go-to when, you, you know, just like MySQL was like, well, we need a database that we'll use MySQL, mm -hmm. you know? And now it's like, well, we need a, you know, caching edge proxy you know oh oh we need a load balancer oh you know it's just like well we'll just go with nginx because we know it yeah right? and so and I, maybe there are better you know niche tools but it's a great general solution and i do think you know in this case i, I want to give f5 some credit like i don't i don't know you know acquisitions are always hard to figure out if they're going to work and things like this but it does 
in this case, it seems to make a lot of sense. Like F5, really known for its load balancing. And I'm sure, to your point, there's been a lot of competitive stuff, even though they generally don't talk about that. They, they kind of paint two different v- visions, like, you know, is, you know, peanut butter and jelly kind of story. It's all going to work well together. But regardless of, even if that's not true, I do think this is the path forward for F5, right? It's like, you you know, this is your corner and you're known for all of well, this. Yeah. It's like, and Miles will, and, and maybe you overpaid or maybe you're not sure how it's going to grow. But if you want to stay... Uh, in this business and kind of own this domain, you got to make a move like this. And I, I think this seems like the best. Uh, and I'm sure there's some, you know, business case like they're like, hey, we can upsell some of the customers, which is always really difficult. But uh, at least, you know, if you will, they have all the customer list together now. So like you're going to have as good a chance to sell <laughs> F5 stuff to as you ever will. Now, whether or not people still want F5, you know, that'll be a question going forward. Right, right. Yeah. So, all right, Matt. Well, you know, maybe you're out there. And you started a website and you uh, were using Nginx and, you know, you just want to see if your site's performing well and you want to make sure um, things are working well, maybe monitor them. Like, you know, do you have an idea of like solutions maybe that could help you out in doing that? Well played, well played. Uh, So uh, this episode uh, of Software Defined Talk is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their DevOps tools, AppOptics. Nobody likes to trade off, Brandon. So why trade off when you can have it all? Developers are having to choose between monitoring everything and staying in their budget. The result, major gaps in their monitoring. Well, AppOptics is monitoring that you can afford to run everywhere. Pricing is based on host hours, not maximum count or high watermarks. With AppOptics, you can catch performance issues before your customers do. Find the root cause of any application or server issue in real time. AppOptics lets developers and operations spend less time troubleshooting and more time doing what they love, delighting users. It's a SaaS-hosted, easy-to-manage, and budget-friendly. Learn more or try it for free for 14 days. Just go to appoptics.com slash SDT. And I know I'm going to go do that right after the show. I'm going to get some AppOptics and see if my, my sites and everything are running uh, well. And, of course, we always uh, thank our friends at SolarWinds for being such a great sponsor. So go find them. Tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. So, Matt, we had some exi- – I think we had some what I would call uh, – we just talked about Nginx F5. So that's sort of like – the good story of open source. Open source product gets built. <laughs> open source uh, does some open core. Sounds like they didn't take that much crazy venture capitalists. They get a nice exit to F5. Everyone is happy. So that's one form of open source. But then we have what I would like to call like the, the nerd fight, nerd fight wars. And it right. seems like uh, Elasticsearch and uh, AWS, they got into it this week with a good old classic uh, nerd fight. So why don't you tell us, like, what exactly is going on in this fight? Um, so this week, uh, this week, in case you missed it, um, Amazon announced that they were launching uh, a new project called Open Distro for Elasticsearch. Uh, the The point is, um, and what they're what they're essentially doing is, uh, uh, Nginx, uh, Nginx, <laughs> Elasticsearch, uh, the company, uh, has you know the Elasticsearch core engine. Uh, which is uh, Apache licensed, very open source, very popular, uh, and then they have a a you know a uh, ecosystem of commercial plugins that they make available in, in a, in a uh, kind of a, an open core model. And what what kind of spurred the the creation of of the uh, open distro for Elasticsearch was you know Elasticsearch the company. Oh, God, used to make it quite easy uh, to get just the the open source bits and not worry about uh, you know what's commercial and what's not. And they've kind of been crossing the streams and and you know muddying the waters a bit. Where when you go and download you know Elasticsearch from them, they mix in a bunch of commercial stuff that you can freely use, but it's not open source software, right? Um, and, and so Amazon. Uh, and then there's a few others who who, who joined in on, on the announcement. Uh, said you know they're making it harder and harder to follow it, follow the open source bits, um, and and so uh, you know and and obviously Elasticsearch the company's model is you know hey you're using those commercial bits, don't you like them? Wouldn't you like to pay for support? Um, and then so uh, you know kind of came to a head this this week where. Uh, they announced Open Distro, and Open Distro is going to essentially slowly mimic you know, all the commercial plugins uh, for, for 
uh, Elasticsearch the company. And uh, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> so, I th- you know, I, I, I think um, there's a lot of blog posts and there's a lot of stuff to sift through when reading it all. But one way to say it would just be that AWS has led the effort to fork Elasticsearch. That's kind of what I think. Do you, do you agree with that? I don't know. I mean, they, they, they were very strong to point out that they're not trying to fork. They're, they're, because they're, they're having to re-implement the commercial plugins, you know, because they were never open source to fork. And they're trying to keep the open source core Elasticsearch well-maintained, right? right? So then it'll be kind of a question of like, well, you know, Elasticsearch, the company now has to decide, like, are they going to, you know, try to play well with this, you know, juggernaut who's who's uh, encroaching on their commercial model? Um, and, and, you know, they, they work together to make the Elasticsearch core the best possible thing and, you know, fight out over their commercial extensions versus the open source implementations of those extensions. <laughs> um, or do they... You know, just say, you know, fork it all. And, you know, you guys have the open source and we have the open source, but I don't know, maybe they apply trademarks or something to keep them from calling Elasticsearch. You know, I, I, you know, it seems like that must not have been an option if they didn't, if they haven't, you know, kind of pursued that. Right. Like did they, or, or, you know, if if they're calling it open distro for Elasticsearch, it's like, they don't seem to be worried about, you know, trade copyright or trademark infringement, I guess, of the word Elasticsearch. Yeah, and there may be some like wordsmithing because a lot of times, like when you put the four, I don't know why, but it's like that often means that like you're like attributing it to someone else. Like a lot of times, yeah. legal legal people will tell you that yeah, they're yeah. like, we can't name the product X for, or you can't say the product's X, but you can say it's like Y for X, and somehow everyone's uh-huh. like okay with that for some reason. I don't know why that matters, but it does. There, there may have been some lawyers involved. <laughs> yeah, I think that's safe to assume. So I I do think so. There were some long blog posts. I think you know when nerd fights start. Long blog posts get written. So Adrian Cockroft re- representing Amazon. I summarize his, his position was something to the effect of we believe in Elasticsearch. We think it's a great open source project. We've been working it for a long time. But the fact that they've mixed, like what you said, the commercial code with the open source code has brought them to this point that, you know, that's not kind of, if you will, untenable for uh, for at least for Amazon, I think more broadly, he'd say for like the open source community, because this is the whole thing about when you start mixing all this code together, you know, you could potentially inadvertently uh, infringe on licenses without knowing it. Right. And I think, right, uh, right. and I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I will say, uh, I don't know if he I'll says it, <laughs> he doesn't uh, say it quite this explicitly, but um, my read was like he was sort of saying that, you know, Elasticsearch, you're doing this on purpose, right? You're doing this explicitly oh, yeah. on yeah. purpose as a uh, like a defense mechanism. And uh, and then there looked like there had been communication. I mean, they didn't talk about it, but it looked like they have talked, right? Because it seemed like, you know, it was like a couple fighting or not a couple, I don't know, friends fighting. And it, seemed, it seemed like they had did talk and Elasticsearch was like, we're not changing anything. And, and, and I think Amazon's like, well, then we're going to just start our own project. And we're gonna, um, yeah. and and so I don't know. I mean, it's it is one of those things. Like, it's an interesting question. Like, if you do mix source code uh, like this, like, is there any other reason other than to just uh, make it more difficult, right, for people to, uh, oh, if you yeah. will, re yeah. reuse your software? Like, I. I I don't know. It does. I don't know. I guess you could come out more explicitly and just say that. I don't know. It may be Elasticsearch has. I don't, so I don't know. I don't know no. where I come down on this tactic. Well, I, I, I you know, if, if, if to, to take Elasticsearch, the company's side, you know, they, their point was like, look, we're trying to make this large, complex application stack more accessible to our users. And most people are going to need to use these plugins. We're not charging you out of the box for them, so what's the problem, right? And you know, though you know, and 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 so it's probably it's a combination of you know helping. I, I honestly believe that probably does help the users, uh, but I'm, I'm sure there was you know, hey, don't worry about these lines, you know, blur them a little bit to make it, uh, you know, make those Elasticsearch service knockoffs, uh, you know, give them a slightly harder time. And, 
you know, probably, you know, probably there's some engineers who have been tracking this along and they're like, Oh, look what those knuckleheads did, you know? And they're like, and you know, knocked them out and you know, half a day as they had to like rearrange some build scripts to leave out some directories or something. But you know, it's probably been like some low level, <laughs> low level conflict that's just been bubbling along and, you know, and you know, at least that that's how I would expect it to have gone down. And, and, you know, eventually they're like, look, you know, this isn't going to get better. They keep, you know, they keep moving, you know, moving the chairs around as we try to sit down and, you know, and get back to work. And, you know, I don't know. And so let's do our own thing. Yeah. So I think that's, a, you know, both things, I guess that's one of those statements, like both things can be true. Like for sure, having the plugins that you most commonly need already, like ready to go is a hundred percent going to help the users. Right. And just going to make yeah. you a lot more successful. And, um, and that's great. And obviously there's probably this point where like, once you get comfortable with it, and if you are at a company of some size that like paying for support probably does make sense. You're probably like, yeah, we depend on this. We've decided to use it, you know? So in that case, it's like a, just a glorified free trial, I guess, you know, in the case of Amazon and probably any cloud vendor, someone trying to redistribute it, I guess that's where, it, and, and that's where it gets into trouble, right? That's okay. Mm -hmm. You can't just redistribute without some kind of license. And, and you know, that's obviously going to be a much smaller percent of the potential users, right? It's going to be like the cloud, the major cloud platforms, oh, yeah. and then yeah. maybe some software vendors who are, you know, embedding some software. So, um, so in that case, maybe it's fine, right? Maybe it's just like, Hey, you know, you're, if you're a for-profit software vendor and I've made your life harder and cause I'm a for-profit software vendor, right? Elasticsearch, like, <laughs> so be it. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's the works. nature of yeah. competition. And, uh, and, um, so I don't know, it'd be interesting to come out, but I do think, you know, because we talked about this other a lot too. It's like, well, if you want to work in open source, like what are your choices? So we, we, we talked about Nginx, right? They started their own thing. Open core led to some success. Elasticsearch kind of doing the same kind of thing, uh, but, you know, trying to defend its business. But in this case, right, it, I guess we would consider, I know that's like under a foundation, but AWS is really the driving force behind this open distro. So, you know, I guess that's just another thing about like, if you want to work on open source, if that's really what you want, then getting a job if, at this case at AWS and like working on your project of choice uh, is probably one of the most viable ways to like be involved in the community and kind of, if you will, uh, put the business side, not have to worry about that. Right. Just sort of like, I'm going to get paid and AWS is going to pay me to do this. So oh, yeah, yeah. I just wonder if um, going forward, uh, if Amazon, like, is this becomes kind of the, the way to, to um, for Amazon, I don't know if make peace is the right word, but like sort of uh, strengthen the AWS community is just like hire more and more of the engineers who are really driven by wanting to work on the open source projects versus like running businesses uh, and then just making these products uh, open source and, and letting them uh, participate. Because in that case, no one's mad, right? There isn't like, you know, if, if you don't have another entity that's trying to commercialize this open source thing, then you know, that sort of takes away a lot of this animosity. It's like, hey, you know, we're funding you guys, work on it, put it out there in open source and make sure it works for the Amazon cloud. So maybe maybe that is the future going forward. Yeah, I, you know, I think Microsoft has already kind of set that precedent, you know, of, look, we're trying to be good open source community members. Uh, apparently, you know, they had more uh, GitHub activity than anybody, so much that they bought the company. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think Amazon is is definitely uh, you know I guess they're improving their open source image by like <laughs> disrupting an open source company, um, but but yeah, if, if you are a developer in open source, yeah, you can go wherever you want, right? Yeah. And and you know the business model is not your problem unless you know you're you know a founder or pretty high up in the company, but you know it's a great time to be a developer. <laughs> um, just you know maybe not a great time to be a VC or, uh, you know, small business owner trying to figure out how, how all this is supposed to work out. Yeah, no, it reminds me a little bit like over here in the U S we have this, uh, college admissions scandal going on right now where like essentially if you were had enough money, uh, and you, just ridiculous amounts of money, some celebrities and other very rich people were able to buy their children admission into well, uh, elite universities. And so I'm going to draw this back to open source and be like, it kind of reminds me of like the Amazon, like the Google guys, like another way to get involved in open source is just pay all the people building the open source projects that you care about and pay them well. And it's just like, suddenly everyone's just like, you know, it's going to work out just fine. Right. And so, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But it it is definitely a way to like make peace with the community, at least to me. Uh, I think I'm I, I'm trying to play with this this analogy a bit. Um, there's always been the ability, you know, like like with with American universities and and, and you know if you were rich enough or I guess you could buy your way in, right? Like uh, the the Kushner guy, his dad bought a building at Harvard, right? And apparently, you know, he didn't have the grades to get in, but he had the building to stay in once he got in, right? And so, you know, he got in that way. And, and what's funny about this, uh, you know, this uh, scholarship uh, thing is, this is like the low budget version of that. Cause you know, th- these were people who were like, well, I don't really want to give you guys, you know, $500 million to build a building, but I'll just pay off this coach 60 grand to give you a scholarship. And I was like, well, I guess that's a different market. So bring that back to open source. It's kind of like, well, we could make a foundation and we could uh, spend a bunch of money and acquire that company. And then we would own Elasticsearch or we could just pick off all the little low hanging fruit and hire up your developers and, you know, just kind of go around, you know, undermine the company. And then this, this is, kind of comes back to a, a conversation I, I was, was part of at uh, uh, Mesoscon, you know, Mesospheres conference a few years back where, you know, they were, uh, there were, there was somebody from the Meso side was talking to, or from the uh, uh, Mesosphere side was talking to a, a very large customer about, you know, how well, you know, we need you guys to spend, you know, $2 million or some, you know, large amount of money. And the guy on the other side of the table after he left, it's like, we're just going to go hire five of their engineers away. (laughs) 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 And, you know, I I don't know how that shook out, but it's kind of like, it's hard to do an open source business, right? Um, So, you know, there's, there's always going to be a lot of tension and, uh, you know, I I think I think uh, you know Adam Jacob had a, a really good blog post where you know he kind of like put on both sides hats like like you know we've kind of said well you know both sides are out to make money and uh, you know the only real winner is is open source because you're gonna get more better software out of this in theory. Yeah. Um, no, I like your uh, analogy there, and I think maybe that is the uh, kind of like the three ways to be success or the three ways to think about open source is like. One, if you're just a person that likes working on open source, don't want to deal with the business, go get a job at a big company, probably AWS, Google, Microsoft, or several others, and just get paid to work on it, right? Mission yeah. accomplished. Or, and then if you're a big company and you want to use open source projects and you want everyone to love you, right? What do you do? You just go out and buy the open source company. So if today we were talking about <laughs> how AWS bought Elasticsearch, there would be nothing but love. It would be like, this is so great. Elasticsearch would be writing about it. And the journey is, isn't finished, but our vision is great. And AWS would say yep, it was yep. great. And like everybody is happy. That's like getting a yep. new building. That's like donating a new building to, to uh, <laughs> your favorite university. Everyone is happy. And oh, by the way, um, some other kids got in. So be it, right? And then there's kind of this middle layer where everyone's mad and where it's like, no, we're just going to hire five of your engineers away and we're not going to give you any of the money. And then everyone gets in a big, a big fight, but it's a lot less costly. You don't have to spend yep. tens of millions. You maybe spend yeah. like, like a couple million getting that. So yeah, I'm um, going to pay off that tennis coach instead of buying elastic. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. It's like, I can't, that's right. I don't have the money or I'm unwilling to buy the building, but I will pay off the tennis coach and I will get your, uh, and I will take your software. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be um, interesting. So like I said, I mean, I think it's the classic nerd fight. It's like, I, I don't know where I come down on the whole thing. I I thought it was interesting to like read through it all. Um, and, you know, I, I think, yeah, that, that did seem to be a position. What everybody said was what kind of what you alluded to. It was like in the winter, it's the, it's the open source users, right? Like we all get something better. So, uh, but these things, I will say though, they do tend to resolve themselves. I can't remember. How long ago? What was the whole? Remember the whole Docker? What was the fight over there? It was about the uh, <laughs> low-level uh, LXC container. What was it? No, I can't remember what it was. It was, uh, but anyway, they worked it out with uh, the guys that Red Hat bought, right? Everyone like worked it out. Um, it was. I can't remember. Help me out, Matt. What was the name of the <laughs> component of uh, uh, the? Anyway, people know what it. Is. Go back, whatever fifty episodes, and you'll like dig Docker. that through. 
like in the Docker uh, engine. Contain- what is the what is the main thing container inside? Container D. Yeah, container. Thank you. Oh man, that was rough. That was like yeah, container D. There container. was a big fight. There was a big fight about that, and then in the end, uh, everybody. It worked out for everyone. I think everyone. Everyone was. We happy. all stopped caring. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think we care anymore. I don't think anyone cares about it. It seems like it's it's mission accomplished. <laughs> mission accomplished. Uh, all right. Well, good luck. Good luck to the friends at Elasticsearch and AWS. You know, um, I may the best man win. I don't know who that is. Um, so f- figure it out, guys. And then uh, now this is something kind of I don't know. I feel like this is close to your world, right? Uh, there's so there's some new continuous delivery foundation that's been started. Like, what do you know about this whole thing? Uh, boy, this was a big week in uh, foundations. Um, <laughs> we should start up another podcast this week in foundations. Um, yeah, so so there was an announcement that uh, Google was uh, donating uh, Spinnaker um, into and, and you know kind of starting a new continuous delivery foundation uh, with Netflix and Cloudbees where. Uh, they've formed a foundation to be like, you know, the good stewards of these open source projects. So they have, you know, similar governance and other companies can, you know, show their love of Jenkins by sponsoring the foundation, I guess. Uh, And they, they spun out a a new like sub project Tecton, uh, which is kind of like how you define pipelines. Um, Yeah. I, I guess that's a cool Is stuff. It good stuff? Um, I don't know. I, I feel mean, like this pipeline thing, I feel like we're out of control on this. Like we, like everybody is trying to both add to the pipeline and be the pipeline. I, I had the hardest time keeping up with, sometimes I was on the phone with people the other day and we we're talking about, I was like, okay, now what? When you so when we set up the pipeline, it's like, well, what exactly <laughs> is like, what is calling what and who's in charge? And it seems like uh, the I think we mentioned this last week, the old console of consoles argument, and it's uh, oh, yeah. it's very confused because like this whole thing. Maybe give us like your your definition of Spinnaker because I I've tried oh, I've been geez. I even went to a whole talk about it and I was like I am I'm just confused I'm just like I mean <laughs> I, I like it looks really good and I feel like this like we probably do need it but I, I'm not totally sure why I mean do you have this down yet? <laughs> Oh man, way to put me on the spot. Um, uh, so, so, so backing up, right? If 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 we accept that, uh, you know, uh, we are living in a software-defined world, um, <laughs> the the whole point of of all you know businesses, uh, it's you know of a, a, a certain type is we're going to be writing software and delivering software features to customers, right? That might be banking, it might be airlines, but whatever, we're all software companies at the end of the day. And so then the question is like, well, what controls that life cycle? You know, what controls me? Right. And, you know, back, back in the day, maybe we told people that monitoring was the control plane. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not. Spoiler. Uh, and, and then, you know, obviously, um, you know, Maybe configuration management people are like, well, you got to tie it all together. You know, we're we're the ones who uh, hold everything together, and, and so you know what's going on. Like, eh, may probably not, right? So the source of truth eventually comes down to well, the code that goes into source control. You know, that is the front of all this process, and then the thing that picks it up is your, uh, you know, your CI/CD pipeline. You know, the your your kids uh, that is watching as commits go in and doing the thing that you know your company does when commits come in which is probably some permutation of code reviews and automated testing and compliance know. checks matt right always compliance uh, checks there you security. go yeah uh, you know all that stuff like that that big massive thing of cicd that's that's the power right that is what controls you know that is the the source of truth you know, what, what happens there defines how software gets out. And so Spinnaker uh, is kind of on the, 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 the backside of that, where it's saying like, all right, you've did those builds, uh, you passed some tests, now I'm going to deploy software for you continuously. It's the continuous deployment side of things. And this is where, you know, I'm going to get a bit more hand wavy, um, where you can say like, I need this software to be deployed over here, for some testing purposes and when i get the test results back that can kick off a deployment over there and i see that you know this version of the software is running here i need to replace it so it's kind of like the 
the delivery orchestrator. Uh, and, you know, probably I'm, I'm off on that a bit, but that's, that's how I think about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a delivery platform that, you know, you use to kind of track what's out there uh, and the health of what's out there and the versions of what's out there and, you know, get them out. Right. Uh, so, so you would use, uh, ostensibly, you, you would use like, you know, Jenkins and Spinnaker together. Right. Um, where Jenkins is defining your crazy ass workflow and Spinnaker is defining how the output of that workflow gets to boxes. Yeah. At least well, that's, want... that's what I think about it. I don't know. Maybe I'm... I want the Gardner people. I want someone to get involved here and like create some new oh, names. I, I want like this is what I think there should be. I want some NIST standards. <laughs> I want no. This is the two char- This is the two categories I want. I want either like you're the pipeline orchestrator, or you're like a pipe or you're like a pipeline executor, right? That's the because I think I like to think of it this way. In some ways, like like Jenkins to me is like the most neutral of neutral, like it itself. I'm sure this is wrong and people will correct it. But like, I like to think of it this way. It's like, it just orchestrates stuff. It doesn't really do anything. You just tell it like you want this stuff done. Right. And so that case, it feels very like, um, I'm just going to call whatever, whether it be a bash script up to like very complicated things like Spinnaker. But my goal is just to orchestrate this whole thing and replicate your business process. And then you have like Spinnaker and a lot of the products that I think you're super familiar with that like, okay, that's something Jenkins can call, right? And yes, while that thing it can call may also have its own little workflow, it's really not the pipeline. You know what I mean? It's just doing its thing. But but yeah. the orchestrator, this higher level thing is is the is is really, if you will, the pipeline, right? It's the thing that's yeah. really putting that that together. Cause that's what I think is um because like every time I'm at these conferences. And I think it's one of those, like, whatever, hand-to-man, a hammer, right? And he'll just, you know, everything's a hole or something or drill, whatever the, however that analogy goes. <laughs> um, and so I, I think it's hammer like I'm sh- I'm sure Spinnaker, like all these products, like as soon as you can, like, command script or, like, make anything happen, like, if you don't need Jenkins, you've not installed it, you're like, well, we'll just use the workflow of Spinnaker, right? And you just kind of add stuff into it that maybe or may not be, you know, relevant to that Spinnaker thing. But then at some point it gets so big, someone's like, hey, we can't just keep like jamming stuff into this workflow tool. Let's use something like Jenkins, something that's a little bit more abstract, right? And I think that's why like, there's always these blurry lines. It's like people just, I don't know, maybe we go back to like developers are lazy. Or it's just like you just use the tools you have. You're like, I don't want to install a new tool. I'll just do it this way until it gets big enough. And that's where like all this gray, it gets really confusing, right? Where And this is when you're at the meetup where like someone says like they're talking about Spinnaker and they're like, can I do this really obscure thing in Spinnaker? And the guy's like, yeah, actually it's open source you can do it we wrote this thing to do it where he should just say like you can do that that's not really the intent of the product project but right. no one ever says that when you're at the meetup they never say that they always say you can do that by customizing it no that's not the answer generally i don't think that's a good answer so they're like yeah of course you could do that with nginx <laughs> <laughs> yes yes exactly so well i don't know it just sounds like a a, a good foundation then there was this other foundation uh, I don't know. This one was strange to me. The Linux Foundation launches the new community bridge platform to help sustain open source communities. So as far as I could tell, this is just like, I don't know, like some group of people that will help you, give you advice maybe on how to run your community and like it's some like mentoring. A, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't know why we need a foundation for this. I think this is just like calling your friends, right? Is, is there more to this that I didn't understand? Um, I, I, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a, you know, foundation, uh, starter kit and, and, uh, you know, they're like, well, here's the framework you need and here's some of the legal resources you need. And the Linux foundation is saying like, well, if you think you need to go down this path, you know, we can help with funding. And, um, you know, I, I think they had been, there'd been some pushback on the Linux foundation about how non-transparent some of the stuff was and this is them trying to be a little more like well here's how we do it here's how you could do it too um and and then of course i saw that uh i I saw some tweets that you know hey there's other implement there's other people already doing this kind of stuff you know you're not the first but uh you know it's the linux foundation they got a lot of money that people have heard of them (laughs) right um so like why not why not put out a starter kit yeah yeah so you know they got too much money anyway, so because uh, everybody wants to be part of the Linux Foundation, and uh, you know, so so now uh, you can start your own foundation, perhaps like the uh, the open the Open JS Foundation. 
That's right. Well, I was going to say, like, this is what I, I actually feel like we, we need less foundations, but fine. If, if the Linux Foundation is going to put this information out there and you really want to do it, I'm glad you can read about it. But as you were alluding to, what I, this is what I want. We have foundations merging. It's a, this is what the Node.js and the OpenJS. No, no. So I don't know. Two of the Node and JavaScript guys foundations got together, and they're merging into the OpenJS Foundation. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And as far as yeah, I can the, see, the like, this is just – Go ahead. Well, it was the Node.js Foundation and the and the JS Foundation, <laughs> and they're they're forming the OpenJS Foundation. So, you know, people are like, "Hey, you're using Node.js," and the people are like, "Oh, so that is that the JavaScript Foundation? Like the JS? No, that's the JS Foundation. The JS Foundation. People are like, oh, you want to know about Node.js? Uh, that's those guys. And you know, there's a lot of overlap there, so it makes sense. And uh, you know, uh, the merger supported by 30 corporate and end user members. So obviously there's a lot of money there. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of money in foundation, surprisingly. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just uh, joining forces up, uh, I guess, to, you know, clarify the, the confusion. Um, I like it. I think this may, I don't know. I think there was some controversy in what Node.js Foundation recently or like last year, but I don't know exactly what it was, but I'm glad they got together and they just, anyway, they're all going to be together. This makes sense to me. It's like easy. <laughs> it's like, yes, anything to do with Node or JavaScript, just go here. This is where you need yeah. to go. And those guys should work it out. So, uh, so, so there's a good example. Like things can come back together, right? I don't know. Maybe there was some bad blood. I don't even know what's going on here, but they've all worked it out. They're all going to be part of one foundation. Everyone's going to be happy. You know, JavaScript's going to go on to be the greatest language of all time. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's all decided for them. I like it. Um, so, <laughs> and then, uh, another foundation was started. <laughs> oh, which the, one the is chip, this? The, the chips Alliance, uh, for, uh, uh, mobile and uh, IoT uh, chip de design. Oh, geez. So, like, they're taking up some of the the risk uh, risk V stuff, and uh, is you this know? part of like the whole ARM thing and the risk? No, well, and, no, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, I think it's different. Oh, okay. Like oh. ARM has <laughs> ARM has its own foundation. <laughs> but of course, but of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ARM ARM has like the company ARM that licenses that. It, you know, provides open source implementations of ARM chips that they then license to other vendors uh, to like extend as they want. And so that's kind of the, the ARM model mm -hmm. uh, is, I guess that's an open core. I don't know, you know, whatever. It's an open source types business. And then uh, I think the, the risk stuff is a different uh, chipset um, that uh, wasn't it recently open sourced or maybe I'm Confusing that with MIPS, whatever. Uh, it's you know more more uh, IoT, more stuff. IoT foundations. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So probably put that with your Migo and uh, what a Waymo or whatever, whatever all those other like Linux mobile platforms were. Well, I'll tell you, the just... most important about all these foundations, from as far as I can tell, these if you get a job at one of these foundations, that is a good gig. Because like when there's like these nerd wars happening on Twitter and everyone's really mad, it's always the people at the foundation who are just like so calm. They're like, it's great. Open source is great. It's going to be great for everyone. And then there'll be like some other like sniping and yelling. And they'll be like, I see both sides. You know, really, we appreciate the community efforts. And it's like they <laughs> there's like no pressure. I can tell the people in foundations every time I see them, the people I follow, they're like in far off exotic areas having a conference like Barcelona mm -hmm. or Sydney or Singapore. You might be onto something. And uh, yeah. I was like, and, and as far as I can tell, they just like they just give talks and they're always like very calm. They're always like, it's going to work out, and then and, it, and it's going to be great. And it's like, well, of course it's going to yeah. be great. If I had that job, I'd feel the same way. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, you Go need ahead. to get uh, uh, Mr. Hinkle on because he, he was uh, running the Node.js one for a while and left uh, to go do his startup. I know. Maybe we do. We need to interview with him. Like the Hinkle uh, – maybe – I don't know. Hinkle seemed like he enjoyed traveling and, and – but I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. He, maybe behind the scenes it's a lot harder than I would know. <laughs> so, oh, all right. Well, Matt, you know – we, we covered a lot of tech stuff, but there's a lot of other nonsense here. You know, uh, what else did we learn that is probably irrelevant to everyone's life? If you live in the U.S., and starting in 2021, you're going to have to get a visa to go to Europe. That does not sound good. That sounds like it's going to make Cote's life hard. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, wish him well as he figures out how to get that visa. Uh, LaCroix, <laughs> our favorite uh, bottled water. 
uh, uh, group. Uh, looks like they're in uh, involved in some massive lawsuit and uh, over insect and uh, about something about insecticide in their uh, their water. Don't worry, I've I've and I whatever uh, you can get for drinking Lacroix, I have it. I have I have had so much Lacroix, <laughs> uh, but I like when this uh, CEO just freaked out and called it like like some kind of like injustice and talked about it. I uh, compared it to like, you know, com- uh, having disability, children's disabilities is very inappropriate. So I always like it when these CEOs just crack up and they just go nuts. So that's oh. a fun article to read about Amazon, Matt, the dash button is gone. If you didn't buy your dash buttons to reorder your laundry detergent, you can no longer get one. Uh, I guess it was displaced by just telling, uh, Alexa what you want, which we actually used to add in our house. We actually do add stuff to the Alexa Amazon um, list. So I can say never had a dash button, but we do use the <laughs> Alexa that we're, we're fine uh, with that. I, I was about to say, I'm just going to keep yelling at my washing machine. Why don't you have more soap? <laughs> Because uh, I love it. I love it. Not working. It's not working. And then call Amazon. I've told the washing machine a thousand times to get more soap. It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, uh, we got we got no no dash no Lacroix in Australia. So uh, I'm fine. Well, I listened to this other interview with this guy, the founder of Bottomless, and his uh, thing is it's for coffee. You like they send you a scale, and then you're supposed to put your coffee on it, and then it just knows like when to order. Basically, monitors like how much you're drinking. I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, but you know, I guess, I guess it's all getting closer to this. Like when you, you, I want to do nothing and I want stuff to show up at my house when I need it. That's really the problem that's being solved. So I like it. Uh, and then the final thing that I thought was interesting, that has nothing to do with something to do with tech, maybe nothing to do with our world. It's just that scientists have discovered a, a shape, uh, some kind of shape of, that they can build out of like, I guess just plastic that blocks all sound. So somehow they figured out like all the different dimensions. Mm-hmm. So you can some, you could be like st- uh, standing next to someone or I guess a few feet away. And if you're, if this is in between you, uh, you hear nothing but silence. So I'm like, I want, I mean, who doesn't want this? Like, uh, you want them for noise canceling and like we're all in. Might, might, might go back to cubicle land. If I could get a helmet made out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Two things we know open office and cubicles are awful. But if you're going to have them, you want a uh, a silent helmet. So yeah, I look I look forward to we're all uh, one day it'll be great. Like we'll all be sitting in like a bullpen with helmets on, and and everyone will be like, this is so much better than offices. It's like why is this better than offices? Yeah, um, look so. like something out of Spaceballs. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right, but there's lots of nonsense. If you want to read that, that's all in the show notes, and that'll be yep. fun stuff. All right, Matt, are you going anywhere that you want to tell the people about? Like, are you uh, traveling uh, somewhere where they can see you? Well, well, uh, I just happened to be here in Wellington. Um, I, I, uh, presented at the Wellington DevOps meetup. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, I think the next thing I have is ChefConf in May. Um, I'm going to be presenting, uh, uh, talking about banking on automation, about some of the fun things I've gotten to do with, uh, banks in the region and, uh, helping them on their path. Uh, and then ChefConf London, uh, was announced, uh, for June. 19th through the 20th. So uh, if you're interested in ChefConf, uh, there's, I think early bird registration has ended, but if you ping me, I can probably hook you up with some sort of discount code if you're interested. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got going on. I like it how you have ChefConf post Brexit. So it's good. I'm on a full report of like, it's, what, I know, what right? happened? Like what happened after Brexit? So yeah, it's going to be like ChefConf Thunderdome. Yeah. Oh, that'd be even better. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, everyone should sign up. Go see Matt. And then uh, if you're looking for Kote, he's going to be at a bunch of places in uh, in in countries that uh, – uh, well, I don't know how to say that one. Bologna? He's going to Bologna in uh, March 7th to 8th, but uh, that would be in the past. So you're definitely not going to that one. Looks like where's he going next? He's going to – well, the 13th, not going to go to that one either. But the next time you can see Kote is you can go to London on the Spring One Tour. So um, and I'm sure he'll be there. Giving, uh, doing, uh, hopefully moderating a panel because that's his favorite tap. He loves to moderate mm-hmm. panels. So, um, all right. So check everyone out. Find everybody else. Um, but hey, we had some uh, good listener feedback this week. So one, I want to thank Don for Folsom. He wrote us an iTunes uh, review. So I sent him a shirt. And we had, uh, let's see, uh, Bill from Leander, who is known as Squid Dog. He was the one. He was catching up on old episodes, li- listening to the back catalog, and he heard Cote mention his review. So. Uh, we didn't have his shirt. We didn't have the, we didn't have his size, but we appreciate his review. 
And then our, our good friend Sam also wrote an iTunes review, and he tells us he enjoys the conversation. He's from uh, Simi Valley, so I sent him a T-shirt. And then uh, Sugeth from uh, Bangalore, India, he, he sent a note in. I can't remember. I know, Matt, you've been to India several times. But yeah. I felt like this may be the first time I sent a sticker to India, which seems inconceivable. And he, uh, he was wondering if I sent stuff internationally. He's like, of course I do. Stickers, I can send anywhere. T-shirts, I can't. So here's where we are, Matt, on the, the great T-shirt uh, giveaway. We have two T-shirts Uh-oh. left. We have one yes. gray T-shirt. We have one black T-shirt. They are both extra large T-shirts. If uh, you write us a review, if you star us in Overcast, if you do something to support the show, send me an email. US, unfortunately, US, customer, US listeners only. Send me an email. Give me your name and address and uh, tell me if you want a black or gray sh- T-shirt. It only comes in extra large at this point. You can have uh, one of the final two T-shirts uh, forever. And then uh, it's probably unlikely. I will say this. It's unlikely these T-shirts will be reprinted. So you are, uh, <laughs> you are looking at an instant collector's, collector's item. item. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do is like, hey, we, did you know, uh, Matt, did you know we had a Slack channel and you can, you can join it? Did you I, hear about that? I'm in there. Well, that's right. Go into softwaredefinedtalk.com. You'll see uh, the Slack link up there. Our good friend, uh, no SSHJJ, he set it up. You just put in your email address. It'll invite you. And one of the channels we have in there is uh, jobs. So I thought I would, this week, I will uh, actually recommend a job. And this is what I'm going to do. If you post a job in there, I'll mention, I'll pick one and mention it on the air. This one I posted, so it's a lot of uh, self Self-dealing, if you will. Uh, if our friends here at, in Austin, Texas, Magento, they're owned by Adobe. They do a lot of, uh, if you will, uh, e- e-commerce stuff. They're looking for a product marketing manager, but they're looking for someone that has like a dev, dev rel kind of background that does a lot of technical stuff that wants to talk about how to build stuff so that you can uh, do lots of stuff in e-commerce. So if you're looking for that job, you can either email me or I put the link right here in the uh, show notes. You can just apply directly. So uh, if you have a job, that you want to advertise about uh, on this show, you know what you need to do? Join the Slack channel, put a link in uh, the jobs channel, and I'll pick one at random and read it um, every week. And probably if you put one in there, it's likely to get read. I'll just say it's very likely. So, um, all right, Matt, what about uh, recommendations? You got anything that you want to tell us the greatness about this week? (laughs) Um, So, so, uh, listeners of the show may know that uh i'm a big emacs uh, fan so uh i started using emacs tramp mode which is the transparent remote access uh, something something um that basically allows you to edit uh files remotely transparently so like i just you know say open file via ssh on that remote system and i can edit it locally in my editor uh and then um you can also uh, I also use Emacs for my shell, uh, so all my terminal stuff happens in there. So I can, you know, copy and paste, and grab my history, and you know, grab the output of commands and all that. Um, but Tramp mode works with remote shells too, so that's kind of awesome. Um, and then if you're using like Vagrant uh, or Test Kitchen, uh, I, I put up a blog post about how you can use those together uh, and get all that exciting stuff with a little video. So um, I guess my pick is Tramp mode because it's awesome. And uh, the link is my uh, blog post showing you how to use it. Nice. Matt, you know, uh, Emacs uh, is, is going to do everything. If you can do can, – <laughs> have you made it do your PowerPoints yet? Are you, are you uh, editing – what is that thing that everyone was doing, like editing your presentations directly in Emacs at this point? Uh, no. Okay. No. But, right. uh, that, you know, there's – it can be There's done. Probably somebody working on oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it can be done. I definitely can do it. All right, well, that sounds like a good recommendation. Um, the other thing you could have done this week, if you wanted to, is you can always follow us on uh, on Twitter, Instagram, or even our LinkedIn in- LinkedIn page. And if you were following us on Instagram this week, you saw that I posted a picture of Matt Ray. So we know Matt oh, Ray. No. We know Matt Ray doesn't have Instagram, so you can't tag <laughs> Matt Ray on Instagram. It's very complicated. But there, uh, oh, we we had nice pictures of uh, of Cote. Uh, uh, I called it Cote squared because it's Cote, a picture of Cote looking at a picture of himself. And then there was another picture that was uh, part of the, the, the Matt Ray squared, where it was Matt Ray giving a talk with a big picture of himself at picture looking of at himself. And it was fantastic. So that's the kind of content we have on Instagram, which you should all be following. Uh, um, and then get my recommendation this week is uh, a lot of people said it couldn't be done. But I successfully <laughs> connected my uh, – what is it? What was I using? I was using DisplayPort 
to my monitor via HDMI and I got the full resolution. So this is what I learned this week, that if you are doing this, if you want to do something that's higher than basically 1280, so if you're like 1440 or up to 4K, what you need to have is a active adapter between uh, that actually uh, connects HDMI and DisplayPort. So I won't go into all the details. You can read it, but it just means that if you don't do that, your display gets downgraded basically to just 1080, which is sort of painful when you have a monitor that's higher than that. So uh, I learned a lot about uh, DisplayPort adapters this week. So of course, or maybe just buy, like buy, just, just buy a computer that has uh, HDMI. Maybe that's the, the better solution. But if you don't have that, make sure to double check uh, that you have the right active adapter. Because I now have a passive adapter, an active adapter, and a DisplayPort cable. So it only took me three cables to figure this out, right? That's always great when you do that. <laughs> Adding to my list, and my wife and my son, especially my wife, she's always like, why do you have so many cables? And it's like, if only I had the time to explain it to you. There's just every time, DisplayPort, HDMI, <laughs> like, Subscribe VGA. to my podcast. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I, I, I think there should be, uh, I, I want to start like a, a, a video port hall of fame. First inductory. VGA, your old school serial VGA. That thing has been around forever. Always works. Always works. Never lets you down. Um, and then I was trying to think about other, all the other adapters that have come and gone, right? Like DVI, nothing. Just like it was here and gone, right? This display port, I don't know. Um, I mean, the list of Thunderbolt, it's just, I mean, it's just a nightmare. It's like what port has staying power? I think HDMI may be the next one that is potentially hall of fame because most monitors have hdmi but who knows topic for another day so all right well with that we thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time